This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Friday, September 17th, 2021, and my guest is the excellent Shannon Morse. Hi, Shannon. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. It's been a while. You finally built up your studio. Look at you. It's so great. I did. I'm so happy that you get to see it. And I'm, I've am i been posting all these fun tour videos on my YouTube channel. And it just feels so good to finally be able to work in here. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. I will link to your YouTube channel in the show notes for those folks who don't know you. I mean, if they don't know you really, where have they been? <laughs> where have they been? I've been on your show before. <laughs> I know. It's what I'm saying. So, uh, I mean, the last time we did a show together was at CS 2020 before the apocalypse hit. Remember that? I do remember, yes. And then the zombie apocalypse happened and I haven't left my house. <laughs> and you've actually moved since then, which is like how much has happened. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet it was. And hence the new studio. So Apple, Apple happened this week and I had to travel for some car stuff. And, you know, you and I are not Apple users for at least not for our phones. We use the Apple ecosystem because, you know, that's what good tech people do. Tech reporters, tech influencers, YouTube creators, whatever. But I want to go over this stuff with you because I think it's interesting and it's kind of interesting to see the parallel of the evolution of the Android world versus the Apple world more than anything else. I mean, sure, we can go through the features and I think I want to, but I'm kind of more curious about your thoughts as somebody who focuses on so many different areas than I do, you know, on tech stuff that I'd love to know what your feelings are about it. So in all, what did you think of this event? Like, what did you think of the announcements? There's a few things that surprised me in there, but. Yeah, absolutely. So full disclosure, I bought my first iPhone after like eight years, or maybe it's oh, you closer have to 10 now. years. I have one. I have a 12 Pro Max. It's not your primary though, is it? Uh, I have three primaries. Oh boy. <laughs> Well, I mean, that happened. I saw your Z Flip earlier. Was that a Z Flip I yes. saw? Yes. Yes, I have a Z Flip. Yeah, look. And then I am off. I have one as well. Oh, I love it. It's right there. Yeah, I'm I'm all about the Z Flip right now. Like, that's my that's Me my too. favorite. I've also been using a 5A 5G. Of um, course. Love it. And the battery life. Oh, my gosh. On it's the 5A 5A3 so right? is crazy. It's so good. I know. I know. And then I have my 12 Pro Max, which I use for video. some studio recordings. Yeah, tons mm -hmm. of video. I use it all the time in my studio. And I have also been using it a lot to FaceTime with my nieces since my sister has an iPhone. And that has been through this year, given I haven't traveled, that's been really important to me. So I'm happy that I've been able to have that device on hand just just for the family connection that keeps it going. Watch out, it's a slippery slope, Shannon. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to buy anything else, Apple. <laughs> not anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, who, look who's talking. I've had an iPhone of one kind or another every two, three years for mm -hmm. since the original, actually, simply because of interest and because, you know, they won't send me review units. Uh, but mm -hmm. right now, yeah, I've got the Z Flip in like a $9 case from Amazon and it's pink. And I thought you'd appreciate that because I love oh, it. Oh, I love it. Yes. And it's a cheap case. It's already starting to you know, get dirty in the corners, but I don't care because it's $9 and I'll just buy another one when it gets too grimy. <laughs> but I'm using that right now because I just reviewed it for Hot Hardware. I'll put my link in the show notes and I am using my Pixel. So <laughs> I got one for you here. You'll laugh. 
pixels have been problematic for me. I mean, I still love them, but they haven't been what I really wanted to drive daily since the Pixel 4 series because of the uh, didn't have a fingerprint sensor, so the software wouldn't work for authentication with fingerprint. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, I mean, nobody in the app world adopted the new Face ID feature. I, it was wonderful, but nobody adopted it, which really put a wrench in my kind of like workflow for me. So I decided to skip the four. And as the first year, I skipped the four. And I went with a OnePlus 8 Pro that year because, you know, OnePlus, I kind of love them. And then this year, I was like, of course, I'm going to get the OnePlus 9 Pro, right? And then I was just like, uh, I'm not that excited about it. I mean, it's a great phone. It's, if I had, hadn't had an 8 Pro at the time, I would have probably gone for the 9 Pro. But I was like, I want to know what Pixel is going to do, what Google is going to do this year, right? And so we're going to talk about some of the new leaks and rumors and the photos of the NYC store and stuff. But I'm super stoked about the 6. And so I'm waiting for that right now. 6 Pro, really, for me. Yeah, me too. And then because of that, I was like, what do I do? And so I, I used the 8 Pro for a little longer. And then the 5A came out, right? Like, I, I got a unit under embargo from Google and I was like, before I knew that was coming, I'm like, I need to kind of downgrade back to a mid-range phone for daily driver to see what it's like. Like I yeah. want to kind of live that life. So I have a really good point of reference what that 5A can do. And honestly, it's so good. Like it wasn't an issue at all, yeah. right? You know this, right? I had the same impression. I'm all about the premium phones and I will happily, you know, pay out of pocket for a really good premium phone. And that's how I have a Z Flip because I purchased it myself. But man, I got to say the 5A, like if you're looking for something that's sub 500 bucks, that's that's a really, really good option. So faced with the, the six is coming, I know I want it, but it's not here yet. I've got a 5A coming and I want to downgrade to get a feel for things. So I could pull out my 4A 5G from last year and put all my stuff on it and live with that till the 6. Mm -hmm. Or I can just continue using my OnePlus 8 Pro, but then I don't get the full experience. Or I could switch to the OnePlus 9 Pro, which defeats the point. Or, oh, wait a minute. I have my old Pixel 3 XL here in a box that has oh, all wow. my apps pre-installed. And if you look performance-wise, it should be very close to a 768G. Mm -hmm. Like that's the Snapdragon 845. So I was like, hmm, let's um, refresh all these apps, refresh the OS and see what happens. And so I've been rocking me, the tech journalist, a Pixel 3 XL as my daily since about June. Wow. And that's a long time. <laughs> honestly, it hasn't been a terrible thing. The problem I've been running into is the battery life is like I need a new battery. It is uh, yes. abysmal. Thankfully, with COVID, I'm not traveling as much. So it's not a huge deal. And when I am, I just bring a little USB battery pack and I'm good. But it needs a new battery. And then I have the Bluetooth Wi-Fi bug. The there is a physical uh, defect on the 3XL where the radios will disconnect on the circuit board. There's a, a surface mount component that's badly soldered on there. And it can be fixed if you reflow the part. I don't have the expertise or the equipment to do that. There are people who have done it on YouTube and you can completely restore the phone. But the trick is that every now and then Bluetooth just kind of dies. So you just what mm -hmm. you do is you just kind of, you know, bend the phone a bit and then the, the, the circuit gets reconnected, restart the phone, it finds its Bluetooth radio again, and you're good for another week. It's the <laughs> weirdest thing because it's so intermittent, but not like, you, you know, I know electronics, I used to build things. Like I am surprised that 
it is such a intermittent, but it doesn't get worse fault. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's just weird. So that's my life right now. I'm just hanging in there till the six. But all this to say that I've always had an iPhone and currently it's an iPhone 11. And so I'm looking at these 13s as an upgrade. And the reason for me having an iPhone is not quite the same as yours, but kind of is, it's video. I do all my YouTube mm -hmm. content, almost. Anything that's like an, if you see the overhead view of my hands, like my typical style of making videos that I've been doing forever, oh, yeah. that is an iPhone of some kind recording video. Really? Yeah, it, it makes sense. Yeah, I use an 11 right now, and it's really good because it can do the autofocus very closely. So for phones, I can bring them right up to like show the camera pod, and it stays in focus. And if the focus is really fast too, so it, it tracks me really well. I use Filmic Pro, which is an app you can buy from the Play Store and the App Store. And Filmic Pro lets you set uh, manual exposure and white balance. So I don't have that constant hunting That's of nice. the, uh, you know, when I bring the bright screen to the camera and then it just yep. decides to make my hands disappear. Or when I have uh, the white balance radically changes because, again, the screen is color temperature is different. So I highly recommend Filmic Pro. It's like $20 or something. And you can adjust manual audio as well. So I use a lav mic, manual audio adjustment manual white balance, manual exposure, and I let the autofocus do its thing. And that's how I do a lot of my product videos. And I've tried Filmic Pro on various Android phones, Pixels, Samsungs, OnePluses, and not even remotely as good. Like, not just the quality of the recording, but the ability to focus, the ability to just look and feel right. Apple yeah. has some secret special sauce going on. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, you obviously have a Pro Max for that. So yes, you know. Yes, I think you're right. And I have noticed the same thing as you where the color balance kind of changes depending on the lighting. So if I do, if I'm reviewing a phone and I pull it upwards towards my 12 Pro, then it does change the color balance. And that is an issue I've dealt with since I mostly just record in auto. Um, but it's something that I've lived with. <laughs> I haven't really uh, changed it too much. And that's partially just because I don't have the time to do so with all the shows I've been recording. For sure. But try Filmic Pro. And then what I'm saying is, will. You, is you've got an iPhone for video because you've seen how much better it is, even in, auto, in full auto than yes. any Android phone. And it just, I have hopes that maybe one day Samsung, Samsung's come very close. And I'm hoping that one day maybe Google can come close and maybe the six will be it. But I think Apple has invested so much time and energy into making good video happen on the iPhone since way back in the iPhone 4. Remember, that was one of the first phone to do 720p with autofocus and actually come out with high bitrate video out of that. And then they, they kept going, going after that. We got 1080p and we got, you know, now they have what, ProRes support and like all kinds of mm -hmm. crazy stuff that I personally would never use because it would kill the storage on the phone. But yep. <laughs> it's just kind of fascinating to me how we, a lot of us tech journalists slash influencers slash YouTube creators have iPhones just for video. Like we don't use them day to day unless it's a FaceTime call or, you know, whatever. But we just use them for video. It's crazy to me. It's kind of surprising to me too, especially since I am very much an Android slash Windows slash Linux user. I don't even own a MacBook or anything like that, but I still find that it gives me really excellent video. And not only that, but I usually record in 4K 
24 or 30p. Um, if I'm recording in 30p, I'll just export it as 24 in Adobe Premiere Pro. And I've never had an issue with my iPhone 12 Pro Max overheating. And that's a major, major component. And one of the reasons why I can trust this phone when I'm recording those video files, um, given that I can just you know, record for 30 minutes straight or 45 minutes straight, yep. and the file is totally fine when it's ready to go. That's a really yeah, big... Yeah, no drop frames. I have so many drop frames on Android phones. Yes. It's just not funny. And I'm not, I'm doing 1080p 30. I'm not doing anything particularly crazy, right? Like, it's like, I don't know why a phone can't do this sustainably for the half an hour or whatever. So anyway, the point is we have new iPhones. And now that you have a 12 Pro Max, is it, I mean, I don't think it's worth upgrading if you have a 12 Pro Max to the 13 Pro Max. But I agree. Okay. I so agree with what's, you. So, what's, what's your rationale for that agreement? Yeah. So overall, I realized that the iPhone 13 did include a few newer items, like they have the higher refresh rate in the oh, yeah. screen, which everybody was going nuts about. I already have that in... Android. many of my Android yeah. phones. So that wasn't something that I was looking at necessarily being the reason why I would want to upgrade. Not only that, but I'm paying out of pocket. So Apple does not send me review units or anything. Yeah. So this is something that is a part of my income that I seriously need to consider. Um, they, they did announce this really interesting new mode called cinematic mode. But I watched so I watched the announcement twice because I wasn't sure if this was something that would really pique my interest or not. And I noticed even with cinematic mode, they still had this thing happening in their video examples called focus hunting, yeah, where, of where the video could not necessarily choose what it's supposed to be focusing on. So it would kind of pulse. And if... Apple is having that issue at their event when they're showing us examples, then that's probably going to be an issue we'll see even more on the consumer devices from people who are just recording as consumers or as a tech YouTuber. So given that, I was like, hmm, maybe I'm going to hold off and just stick with this one. The only reason why I would want to upgrade to a 13 would be for the larger storage space. And that's about one it. One terabyte. Yeah. Wow. One huh? terabyte. That's, That's a lot. And given I record in 4K, that would be a lot of storage space. That would be really valuable. But at the same time, I just upload everything to my Google Cloud. I have a Google Photo account, so I pay for that. So I don't really need to store everything on my phone. I'll just delete photos or videos whenever yeah. I'm done with them. So, so that is not a big reason for me to upgrade either. I would love to see them include USB-C like they're doing on the on the iPads now. Oh my God, like I can't believe the iPad mini now has USB-C. That was really cool. And they're like, oh no, iPhone, no, 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 not you guys, no. Yeah, I don't understand. Like why, why put it in an iPad mini, which costs less and USB-C is expensive to implement. But you can't put it in your really expensive iPhones too. I mean, you know, it's it's not a cost thing. It's no. Apple has the, the, the scale... The, more scale than anyone. They make so else. much money off of their accessories. I know. It's that. <laughs> and here's my, my, I really believe now that they are, they're really pushing to eventually get, like, they're, I think they're going to hang on to Lightning until they can remove the port 
mm-hmm. completely. Like we're going to get a wireless iPhone, basically. And that's what MagSafe was about in part, you know. And uh, speaking of, they didn't improve MagSafe in any way. We thought they might put more, stronger magnets or faster right. charging through it. That didn't happen. But, you know, at the same time, the ecosystem is pretty slow overall with MagSafe. And so they probably want to give it another year before they change things again. And I mean, it would still be compatible, I presume, but it wouldn't, you know, all these new accessories wouldn't have the right wireless speed or whatever if they changed it this year. So what's got me excited about the 13 Pro is the refresh rate, because even though I'm not a primary iPhone user, I feel like that's been you know, such a thorn on Apple's side for so long. We've had 120 <laughs> or 90 hertz. I mean, the first 90 hertz phone I reviewed was the OnePlus 7 Pro, which was, what, three years ago now? Oh, yeah, I guess so. It's been a while. And honestly, ever since then, we've had, we have up to 165 hertz on some gaming phones now. Mm-hmm. Not that you need that, but you even can buy... Uh, phones from Xiaomi and from BBK Group, like Realme, mm-hmm. affordable $200 phones in parts of the world, like Europe and India, that have 90 or 120 hertz on AMOLED panels at that price point, and they don't suck. It's not like they just check the box for the refresh rate and AMOLED and give you a phone. They actually put a decent display in these phones. So I think that a $1,000 iPhone, you know, not having 120 hertz was kind of... But I'm pissed I don't have it on the regular 13. Like, this is yeah. this is so Apple, right? Like It gives you another reason to upgrade and spend extra few hundred bucks for the 13 Pro. 100%. See, I bought the 11 because I was like, I don't need anything else. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'm just doing video. I don't need the telephoto. And I want the the best bang for my buck because like you, I have to pay out of pocket. And if I buy a new 13 this year or whatever I'd end up with, I'm going to trade this one in. They have this great trade-in program. I traded a iPhone 10 for the 11, not the 10s, the 10. So two years, I, I do a two-year cycle with my iPhones mostly. And then, yeah, I, I think that the lack of 120 on the 13 is kind of a bit egregious. But there are some things about the 13 Pro that I think are really interesting other than the refresh rate. It's that the ultra-wide is a special new six-element lens that is f over 1.8. And I do sometimes shoot ultra-wide with my iPhone, especially when I do my vlog videos. Yes. So I use it as a GoPro, basically, and the stabilization, I rely on the stabilization a lot. I, I vacillate between my iPhone and some sort of Samsung phone. Like right now, I have an S21 Ultra that I use for, for occasionally, and, and I have a... I have my flip, of course, because it does pretty decent ultra-wide video that's very stable. But having a faster lens and low light is just going to be amazing. And it has autofocus on the ultra-wide now, so it lets you do macro shots. Something that, again, OnePlus, I believe, introduced with the OnePlus 7 Pro three years ago. And maybe some other companies in Asia have been doing on their phones for a long time. I also like that they decreased the size of the notch. And they kept the uh, the same technical aspects of the notch, like you still have your face unlocked, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So that was pretty nice as well. But they didn't change anything about the icons around the notch, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. The other thing I thought was interesting is that they changed the telephoto 3X across the board and that mm-hmm. you now get sensor shift Um, basically in-body stabilization instead of OIS across the board on all iPhone 13s on the main sensor. That, to me, I did not expect. I expected the Pro to gain it from the Pro Max, which, as you know, last year didn't have it. 
And then I expected the 13s to be OIS. And this is kind of amazing. And that's why they're diagonal cameras on the 13, because it needs so much space for that sensor to move around, right? Um, yes. And it's, did you notice the pixel size on the new main sensor? 1.9 micron pixels. Oh, so juicy yeah, and delicious. Cool. <laughs> I was very excited about that as well. That was really so, cool. So like undeniably, like I know people who are listening are going to say, but Miriam, you know, it's a lot of it is about the software. You know, Google has shown that the, the 5A is an extraordinary camera for the money, right? And I agree to that using a sensor that's what, three or four years old now. But the reality is if you throw that computational photography at a better sensor, I mean, you're going to win and you can't beat glass. And in a sense, you know, you're not really adding glass. Well, you are. There's seven element lens on the main sensor of the iPhone 13 Pro now. But I mean, the point I'm making is that better hardware is a good thing if you can throw better software on top of it. And I think this is going to be, once it gets in the hand of people, I think we're going to see a big step forward in photography on these phones, despite the specs looking quite similar to last year, especially the 12 Pro Max you have and the, the 13 Pro, 13 Pro Max. But I'm excited that there's no differentiation between the 13 Pro and the 13 Pro Max. You now choose essentially mm -hmm. your battery life and your screen and size. size. Yeah. And you're good to go. And on the 13, I kind of wish we had had everything except the telephoto, like the 120 hertz, you know, the better ultra wide with autofocus and the faster lens. And I think the main sensor is the same across all four. So that's good. I'm super excited they still made a mini. Not for me, but for all the people. That oh, me too. Did you think they're going to make one? I didn't think they would. I, I was skeptical about them making one this year just because of all the news that was coming out and the rumors from the past year. But anecdotal evidence, I have a friend who is very petite. She has tiny hands. And I sold her my iPhone 12 mini. I had purchased both of them last year and she loves it. It is her favorite phone. She hasn't had one this good in ever. I don't believe she's ever had one this good. And she absolutely loves the size. There are people out there who really appreciate a petite phone. I mean, can we talk about girls' pants and how we have oh very small pockets? Oh my God, yes. She can fit the iPhone 12 mini in some of her front pockets. And you can't do that with the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Trust me, I've tried. So <laughs> there, there's definitely a, a product market out there of consumers who want a small phone, but is still powerful. And that's exactly what the 12 mini is and the 13 mini as well. So I'm, I, I'm glad that they included that because they, even though us as tech reviewers may not have seen that market because there was so much negativity around the mini, but Apple has seen that product market. Of course they see their sales. So they decided to come out with that mini to appease those folks that really want them. I think it's fantastic. Theo, my spouse has an iPhone SE, the, the newer one, uh, mm -hmm. because they came from an iPhone SE, the older one. And that was the smallest thing they could buy at the time because the 12 mini wasn't out. Also, they are not very keen on the face ID and the lack of a home button. But you know, they love it. They love the size of it. And that's even bigger than the 12 and 13 mini. So, you know, I think people, it's legit. People want small phones. I reviewed the Asus Zenfone 8 for hot hardware, and that's one of the smallest Snapdragon 888 phones you can buy. It's still much bigger than an iPhone 12 mini, but it's more about the same. It's about the same surface area. It's maybe a little taller and a little skinnier than the iPhone SE, the current iPhone SE. So it's a pretty small, for an Android, it's freaking small. And it's like, I feel like 
people love it. Like, I actually think there's a lot more people out there that we don't talk about. There's an entire group of early adopter tech savvy folk that are into Android that want small flagships. Yeah, absolutely. And that phone does it. And not only that, Jen, and I think the other thing we, you know, I know tons of our kind of folk who have an iPhone 12 mini because they want the best video and they want a small phone and they're iPhone users, yet they are tech savvy early adopter creators. They probably have a, they probably have a Galaxy S21 Ultra in their bag alongside, you know what I'm saying? It's like, but their main is a small, very pocketable, very friendly to the hand phone. That's, that's real. Honestly, that's one of the reasons why I've been loving the new Z Flip 3 so much is because it is so compact when you fold it down. Like, yeah, Yeah. it's really tall, but man, when you close it, you can just carry it around and still get notifications on the outside. Like, that's just, it is just so cool. You know, there's two phones that, that have absolutely delighted me this year, like way more than my expectations by far. That's the Pixel 5a, right? Like I went into it going, it's a Pixel. It's going to be great. I'm going to recommend it to people. And then I started using it and I'm like, oh my God, this is so freaking good. This is, you don't need more than that. Nobody needs more phone than that. (laughs) Like, I mean, I miss, don't get me wrong. I miss wireless charging. I'm a big wireless charging whore. But, Mm -hmm. But other than that, there's nothing on the 5a that I need beyond that like that's phones is so bland looking so spec boring and then you use it and you're like what kind of magical unicorns live inside this phone (laughs) oh my gosh can i quote you because i love that quote (laughs) yes you can totally take (laughs) what kind of magical unicorns live inside this 5a (laughs) it's incredible like i don't know how to explain it to people it's so untangible until you start using it And if like me, you get a new phone every week, you know, I get Xiaomi phones and BBK group phones at Oppos. I have a Vivo phone here, the BMW. Oh, for sure. M powered, whatever. There's always phones as a tech reviewer that you're going to fall back on because you just like it so much. Like there's just something about the features or the quality or the software that just make you keep going back to that phone. You know, I get so many phones that objectively are great. You look at the specs, you touch them, you play with them, you use them, they're great. And then you're like, man, you put them aside. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no emotion there. There's nothing. Co- yes. Somehow I don't know where the unicorns live inside the 5A, but they are in there. And, you know, it's all glitter and rainbows. But the other one that totally blew my mind like that too, like I had the Z Flip, I had the Z Flip 5G, I managed to get review units. And actually, the Z Flip I bought and returned because I wanted it early on because it was intriguing to me. But the Z Flip 5G, I got one from AT&T last year. And I liked them. They were good. I enjoyed them. But the Z Flip 3, I can't put it down. Yeah, I same. cannot put it down. <laughs> it is so good. It is so good. And, and I'm not a Samsung person. I don't like their software. I'm not a big fan of One UI. But yeah, I have same. to say, they did so good. The cover display is so like the user experience on the cover display is a lesson in UI. It is so simple yet so effective. I feel like it feels like a smartwatch. It's like basically a Samsung smartwatch stuck on the front of your phone. Now, I'm sure you noticed they removed advertising from their applications yeah. for the more expensive phones, which I was like, finally, because finally, I made an yeah. entire video harking on them about this yeah. because it was so annoying. That and if you swipe from the home screen over to where you would normally see Samsung's news service. Now they have the Google service, the Google discovery. That's actually been there since the software update. I, I mean, uh-huh. my S21 yeah. Ultra has that. I think my S21 has that. 
Yeah, it's been there for the about the past year. Even my Note 20 Ultra has an update that gave it that. So that's not mm -hmm. new, but it's it was necessary. The thing yes. that still bugs me and why I still have a custom launcher on my Galaxy phones, I have Nova on there. The reason I do is because ultimately I cannot deal with an app tray that scrolled sideways. Oh, I'm a vertical <laughs> app tray person. I, I'm sorry, like I cannot. Do you know for a while how I think the Pixel for a while did it, Nexus or something? And uh -huh. I hated it. And yeah. then it went back to reason and I was like, okay, phew, we're back to That's normal. That's a good point. <laughs> That's like, a good I, point. I know it's like you're going to say, Mario, you're, like, seriously, you're going to get used. I, yes, I know. It's like I could get used to gestures on Android, but I didn't. I'm still on my three buttons. Thank you very much. Get off my lawn. Are you really? Oh, man, I love the gestures. I, I use them all the time. I know. <laughs> I know. Now I go to an iPhone or an older Android phone that still has the buttons on it, and I get confused. <laughs> the problem is that I think what happened here, Shannon, is I started using the gestures on Android phones when they weren't consistent because they weren't baked into Android. When, you know, uh, OnePlus yeah. had their own, Xiaomi had their own. Actually, back then it was Huawei. Huawei had their own. And then Samsung had their own. And I just was like, can you not all get along? And, you know, and then I, also I went to an iPhone at the same time. I had an iPhone 10, And I was like, it's perfect on this. It's absolutely perfect. It does exactly what it should. It behaves exactly intuitively like I want it. And every time I go to an Android phone, it's laggy and slow and weird. And this was back in the day. I'm sure now that gestures have been standardized across Android that it's probably decent, but I haven't done the switch. I just got so cranky about it. And you know, when you're old and cranky, you just never go back. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so I, I waste my real estate down there with three little buttons. So I'm guessing you're, you're not buying an Apple phone this year. Well, no, I'm I'm thinking about it because it's I have an 11, so this is 13, so it's time. Oh, okay. But I'm thinking I need to buy a 13 Pro this time. I think I think I need to go. Yeah. I need to go like base model 13 Pro 128 gigs since I'm like you offload and I only do 1080p. So 128 holds like two or three unboxing videos at any given time. I use image capture on my Mac, which is you know basically the MTP equivalent file transfer protocol. And I just dump everything onto my Mac, and I dump everything. I don't actually dump the videos to to Google Photos because it takes a long time to upload them over even over Wi-Fi. But I dump all my photos to Google Photos, and I just dump my videos manually. And once they're on my Mac, they get backed up by Time Machine. So mm -hmm. I actually and I put I can put them on my NAS and whatever. So I'm still kind of operating a dual stage of video lives on local spinny disks and flash disks, and Photos live in the cloud model, but I don't have 4K video to deal with. So maybe I'll change, but right now it's honestly just fine. I have a travel flash drive as well, like not a flash, it's a SSD, a proper SSD travel size from OWC that's super fast. Uh, it's both USB-C and Thunderbolt, so I have options oh, cool. on it. And it's nice because I, I have a MacBook Air M1 as my travel machine. Not that I'm traveling much, but it's starting up again because car stuff is happening. Mm -hmm. And I went to Qualcomm, had an event in New York. So I've been to New York two or three times this summer. So it's starting up again. But the bottom line is I just copy the videos that are unedited, like the raw footage that I need. If I have some idle time, I might edit on the flight or whatever. I copy those to that OWC drive and carry that with me for the trip, basically. And I have this little habit of like, I go on a trip now. Let's go. It's on my NAS and it's unedited that I need. To, I always have such a cue. I'm so behind on everything. I don't know how you feel, but for me, it's, I'm, I have. Oh, always. 
folks, if you're listening and watching my YouTube channel, know that I have literally 60 hours probably worth of content. Some of it will never make it because it's too late now, but some of it still has room to be done because it's only three months old. So, you know, just hang in there. I just posted my 5A review. I understand. (laughs) I mean, that's why sometimes you go to my YouTube channel and you see like, Miriam, why did you just publish a video on whatever phone that came out three months ago? Well, you know, I still felt that it was relevant and it was a good video. And mm-hmm. I put at the beginning, I say things like, back in November, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I can do that too. <laughs> but look, I'm excited about the iPhone 13s. I think that for iPhone users, if you are in a two, like on a two or three year cycle and it's time for you to upgrade, 100%. I think if you're coming from any 12 other than maybe the mini because the battery life's improved now on the 13 we don't know how much but you know well reviewers will tell us but i think you're probably fine to stay put and yeah i mean i think that's it right like we didn't really have to cover much else there is there is the infamous lightning connector oh (laughs) well you know how i feel that feel about that so it's just like (laughs) I carry these uh, Shenzhen special. I picked up a box of them. I think I bought like 10 of them last time I was in Shenzhen, which was just before uh, before the plague. I bought these, uh, you know, MFI, I air quote here, uh, <laughs> a compatible USB-C to lightning adapters. Really? They're this short and they take a USB-C cable and have a, uh, and lightning on the other end and it's magic. I give them 30 watt PD and they somehow magically make it work with my iPhone at 15 watt. It's great. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Well, what about the um, the the Pixel 6 and the 6 Pro? Are you excited about those? I, Super I'm pretty excited. Super. We're going to jump into that in a second. Let's go quickly over the other things that Apple announced. The iPad Ooh, yeah. got an upgrade, uh, mm-hmm. the, the base iPad. I think they gave it a 13 Bionic chip, which is uh, what's in the 11 and the uh, iPhone SE. I think that's a good upgrade. I don't think it got anything else though, right? It's just the same otherwise. Oh, no, the front camera does the the pen and scan and software thing. Oh, yes. So they have this feature they introduced with last year's iPad Pro, I think, that lets you, it's like an ultra wide angle. And, you know, when you're on a FaceTime call, if you have the iPad sitting flat on something or like, you know, basically propped up, it will follow, it will track you and, you know, kind of zoom in on your face as you're doing the FaceTime. Right. Oh, I forget what that's called. I'll have to look it up. But I, I know what you're talking about. It's like the center. Center stage. Center stage. That's what it is. Okay. Yes. Thank you. All right. <laughs> it was on the tip See? of my tongue. <laughs> you got me going with the center. Okay. Center stage. And uh, that's new. And then I think the specs is new. The price is roughly the same. Mm-hmm. The it supports the pencil, which is great, and then the, but the mini is exciting. It's a little pricey though, four ninety nine. You can buy a MacBook Air yeah. for twice that much. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna say it's twice, Miriam. I'm like like to me, the iPad Mini is a bit of a toy. Like I think it's fantastic, but I think this to me this is a two hundred fifty to three hundred dollar product. Like I I don't think it should be more than that. But it's mm. the Apple tax. Well, a hundred bucks more would make it four hundred. Still five hundred. Yeah, still 500 bucks. I mean, it's sexy. The iPad Air, the, the current revision is really sexy. I love the in in button fingerprint sensor. I love mm-hmm. the I love that iconic Apple look with the slab sides that we have on the iPhone, the current iPhones and the current iPads, the new iPads. It, it, you know, harkens back to the iPhone 4 and 5 days where everything was like I really love that industrial design. I really did not like the rounded edges that like I have on my iPhone 11 and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so 
to me, this is all a bonus uh, that the mini is gone, that design language. But I kind of fail to see why you'd need a mini when in a world where every Android phone is 6.8 inches, do you really need an <laughs> iPad mini? And you're going to say, Miriam, really? What did, did, did you just say what you said? You're talking about an iPad with the best tablet software in the universe, comparing it to an Android phone. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point I'm making. Because ultimately, productivity, if you're looking at a larger screen, is about the screen size, not really about the apps. True. I mean, if you're penciling, if you're drawing, 100%. But then buy a bigger iPad, right? Like, you're not going to buy an iPad mini to draw. Maybe you are. I mean, there maybe there's like a segment of the market. But the point I'm making is that unless you have a specialized, I have my equivalent. I was just gonna say the fold. Yeah. I mean, get a fold. I mean, I know it's a lot more money. My fold three is my equivalent. I mean, it supports the stylus, the new pro stylus and the fold stylus from Samsung called the S pens. And it is also a big enough screen that I can easily multitask. I've done it plenty over the past year with my fold two, and I'm expecting I'll do the same with my fold three as well. Like I, I can get everything that I need out of that. And since I am very much in that Google ecosystem, it makes more sense to get a fold three than it would an iPad mini. And if you're on a budget, you're going to get look at buying a phone and an iPad versus buying a Fold. And it's about the same oh, yeah. at that point. Yeah, 100%. Right? So look, I agree that the tablet apps on Android are crap. So you're really just looking at phone apps that are bigger size on a bigger display. But if you're looking at productivity purely, I don't think the iPad mini makes sense. If you're looking at price, I don't think the iPad mini makes sense. If you're just a huge iPad user and you don't want a bigger iPad because your hands are small, maybe that's why the iPad mini exists. Because... It's harder to justify that price point, even though the hardware is gorgeous and I think it's really nice. And, you know, I <laughs> kind of want one. Is this one. the iPhone mini conversation, but for iPad? Yes, 100%. <laughs> I think you're right. You're right. There you go. You nailed it. And then we got an Apple Watch Series 7, which has just got a bigger screen. Everybody was mm -hmm. expecting it to get that industrial design with the slab sides, but it actually still has the, all the roundness. But Basically, they shrunk the bezels and the screen is a little more rounded, cornered, and looks fine to me. It works with the existing bands, which is surprising. I mean, I mean, all of watches have worked with the existing bands, I guess, but... That's nice. I'm surprised Apple hasn't gone and like thrown a loop at everyone and gone like, oh, well, we're going to change that now. No, they've done it before, so it's, it's to be expected every couple yeah. of years at least. I mean, I have nothing to say about the, the watch other than... People I know who have iPhones love their Apple Watches. Theo, my spouse, has an Apple Watch SE, absolutely loves it. So I really think as somebody who worked in the smartwatch biz with Pebble, I think it's the best smartwatch on the planet. Mm -hmm. But I'm not tied to that ecosystem, so I can't really do it. I think that the current Galaxy watches, especially now that they're running Wear OS again, and some of the, I like to call them fitness bands on steroids, that a lot of the uh, uh, Xiaomi and BBK group and Huawei make are really damn great because their battery life is a week and they look like a fancy watch and they give you your notification on your wrist, but they have no apps. So they just do your fitness tracking, your sleep tracking, all that's really well, but they're not smart really. Like they're more mm -hmm. like, you know, dumb smart watches. 
Right. But they cost little and they last forever on batteries. And if you, all you need is notifications and health tracking, they're great. If you want, you know, to go Google map on your freaking watch, then you, yeah, you need to go to a Samsung Galaxy watch or whatever Google's coming out with next with Wear OS. Or you need to go to uh, an Apple Watch, and that's not who I am. I'm not an app on my wrist kind of person. I'm more like a notification and fitness on my wrist person. Mm-hmm. I I use a Samsung Watch Four, the one that just came out, M- mainly because it was a bonus when I pre-ordered one of my phones. I don't know which one, but oh, cool. Yeah, so it came free. So I was happy about that because this is the first wearable I've had in a very, very long time. I think the last one I had was like a very early generation Fitbit. So it's been quite some time. Yeah, It's been fun, though. I don't know enough wearables to say, hey, the Apple Watch is a great one to purchase or not. But I have heard some of my friends who are in the Apple ecosystem say, I have an older Apple Watch, like an Apple Watch, I think a generation three or four. And they said, I'm definitely going to upgrade. So at that point, it's probably worth it. But if you have one from last year, the last two years, most likely not. 100%. Like, I think I've got actually a Galaxy Watch 4 review unit coming from uh, Samsung finally. So I'll let cool. you folks know. I had a, for a long time, my main smartwatch was the original Samsung Galaxy Watch, the, the Tizen one. And I loved it because it had the best... Like it had apps, so it was a smart smartwatch, not a dumb smartwatch, not a fitness band on steroids, but it did have good battery life. It was three days, easily three day battery life, which I thought for that level of sophistication was pretty great. So, you know, that's, I think that's pretty much Apple, right? We, we got everything here. We got the iPad, we got the seven watch seven, we got the phones, we got the mini iPad mini. Yeah. I think that's about everything. I mean, there's all the software stuff, but I'm not going to get into that because that's the beauty of being in the Apple ecosystem. Magically, the software gets updated and magically you get more features and magically yes. you don't use those new features because you're like, oh, this is too weird and complicated and maybe I'm not ready for that yet. And then two, three years down the road, everybody else you know uses those features so you actually start using them. That's basically my take on Apple software summary. Yeah, yeah, I pretty much agree with that. <laughs> and you get great privacy and security features alongside it. That's the nice thing about it. So. And that's one of the reasons why I am multi-operating system. I'm not uh, on any specific OS is because Apple, as well as Android, has have been doing quite a bit in the past few years for local security and privacy. Yeah. <laughs> and I've specifically said local security and privacy, talking about their chips, physical chips, uh, because when you when you start focusing on the cloud, that's a different story for both of those systems. Yeah, 100%. So I, I think, look, I think this is good. I think this is, if you expected more, I think you're crazy. No offense, but I mean, it's Apple. Like this is very, very much baby steps moving forward. And mm-hmm. it's everything Apple users really need and want. I think they're going to be happy. I think this is positive. But at the same time, as an Android user, I'm, I'm pulling out my Z Flip and you have a Z Fold on top of your Z Flip. I couldn't really like afford like the Z Flip is a review unit from AT&T. I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for Z- Samsung or somebody to send me a Z Fold. I just sold a whole bunch of old Barbies to afford it. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I am thinking of maybe doing like last year I did this, I bought the Z Fold 2 and returned it just because I wanted to try it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I had no intent on keeping it because it's too much money. But this year I'm, I'm not quite ready for a workflow 
on a bigger screen, that big of a screen. Like I'm very comfortable on a 6.7, 6.8 inch screen for my Android workflow, which is why the Z Flip is such a, a good fit for me because I'm getting that real estate, but I then have a compact thing in my pocket that's fun to use and easy to check notifications on and stuff. So I feel like, yeah, that's what I'm going to stick with for now. But I will probably explore the fold if I can get a device sent my way. Uh, cool. I don't think I want to spend the money on it. Yeah. But I might buy an iPhone 13 Pro. So stay tuned. I'll let you know. Yeah, let me know. Yeah. So quickly, there's a bunch of new phones. Well, not really. There's a couple of new phones came. It was actually pretty quite weak because everybody knew that Apple was going to do something. Except for Xiaomi. It was like, Apple who? Because that's, that's Xiaomi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Chinese companies are all like, yeah, we do our own thing. This is what I love about them. They're like, we don't care. If you look at Xiaomi, they really have three, four really, but three big brands of phones. They have the Mi brand, and then they have the Poco brand, and then they have the Red Mi brand, and then they have CC as well, but that's only China. So it's three, three and a half, if you want, brands. And so the main line, which is the Mi brand, is no longer called Mi. They, they've dropped that branding. It's now Xiaomi. So their phones are going to be called like Xiaomi 11T is the new one, not Xiaomi Mi 11T. So be aware of that. It's it's kind of insignificant, but if you want to be you know particular about it. And then there's Redmi, which is kind of the, the lower end. And Poco is, well, Redmi also makes higher end phones. But anyway, Xiaomi is, I call them the parts bin special company. And it's not, not an offensive thing. It's just that they have a parts bin of amazing parts and they literally have magical unicorn robots picking out of these parts and building new phones every week. They're like, hmm, <laughs> what parts can we do? Oh, and then they brand them something kind of like, oh, this sounds like it should be a Redmi Note something. Okay, make that. And then, oh, this should be a Poco X something. Okay, let's make that. And it's kind of like every, literally every two or three weeks they send me another phone and I'm like, this phone has the camera from that phone and the display from that phone and the processor from this phone. Jeez. Like, it's crazy. The, the interesting thing about the 11T and the 11T Pro, the Xiaomi phones that were just announced this week, is that they peak out of that kind of baseline of constant phone shuffling because the 11 and the 11T or like the number and number T are kind of like the TikTok cycle, what Samsung would do with the S and the Note, the S and the Note. They're usually right. flagship level type phones, but they are, you know, fall and spring, fall and spring. So we got the Mi 11, which at the time was still called Mi, Mi 11 and 11 Pro and 11 Ultra, and there's an 11 Lite. And those were pretty great. The Mi 11, pretty solid. The 11 Ultra is a, is a monster. If you ever get your hands on one, it's basically like the S21 Ultra. It has like every sensor is multi-megapixel. Like even the telephoto and the ultra wide are like 64 megapixel or something crazy like that. Ooh. And it has got one of those crazy 50 megapixel low light sensors like Samsung GN1 or GN2, which is rumored to end up on the Pixel 6. It's a super large pixel 50 megapixel sensor so it's almost an inch sensor like inside the that phone that is nuts <laughs> yeah and it has incredible low light capabilities anyway so the 11 was like okay they really hit it out of the park these are metal and glass phones they go nuts now the t series is always kind of like what can we distill from that high-endness and kind of bring down the price a little bit but still keep that high-endness going so the, the fall one is always like the mid more affordable. So if you're on a budget and you want a real Xiaomi, not a Poco or Redmi phone, but you want a kind of flagship phone, you wait for the tea and you buy your phone in the fall. 
And so the 11T and T Pro they announced, they also announced the 11T Lite, are that. And they came out this week, and they're essentially twins. There's not much known about the lights, and we're not going to focus on it too much, but the, the T and the T Pro are twins. They have 5,000 milliamp hour batteries, 67 or 120 watt charging. Yes, 120 watt charging. Crazy. <laughs> and uh, that's on the Pro, and then 67 on the uh, base model. Mm-hmm. And then they have 120 hertz, a six point something, like 6.7 or whatever, AMOLED display that looks very lovely. And it's 1080p. And then they have, you know, 108 megapixel rear camera, which is the 9 to 1 binning sensor. So it outputs 12 megapixels and does 9 to 1 binning. It starts out with 0.7 micron pixels and turns them into a 9.9 array of 2.1 microns because, you know, 0.7 times 3. And you end up with some really big pixels to do some good low light photography. And Xiaomi does this really cool thing with their algorithm where... If there's enough light and you're zooming, uh, digitally zooming, they went, they go from 9 to 1 to 4 to 1, and then to 1 to 1. So they actually benefit from some pixel binning as you zoom in. And wow. so you can zoom in to about, probably about 3, 4x before you start seeing crappiness. Crappiness. <laughs> and, you know, in the same way as the Pixel 5a does the thing where they use your hand motion to gather sub-pixels to do zooming better. Xiaomi does that, but using that insane amount of pixel array that they have to choose from to start with. And it's kind of an interesting approach. So this is the sensor they have in there. And then there's an ultra wide and a macro. The macro has autofocus, which is pretty nice. It's only a five megapixel macro. And the ultra wide, at least on the 11T is eight. I think it might be a higher grade ultra wide on the Pro. But the big differentiator they almost look identical too. The big differentiators of processors, and that's kind of what I was getting to here in a long-weighted way, is that the T is a MediaTek 1200, Dimensity 1200 5G chip, which is the top-of-the-line MediaTek chip, which is somewhere in the Snapdragon 700 series, like I would say 778 kind of performance. Mm -hmm. And then there is the Pro, which has an 888. So the Pro, they all went right out. And... um, To confuse things even more, earlier this summer, Xiaomi launched the Mi 11i, which is almost spec identical to the Mi 11T Pro or Xiaomi 11T Pro, but has a slower charging speed. That's the only difference. It has the same camera pod, the same aesthetics. Again, part spinning. Thank you, Xiaomi, for coming out and making yet another phone that's just slightly different. So the takeaway is here is that If you are in a market, like a lot of my audience is in India and Europe, and you can buy these phones, shop wisely because there's probably another Xiaomi or Poco or Redmi phone that Mm -hmm. comes close to these 11T, 11T Pros in price, that comes close in specs. And I would say, since they're picking out of parts, pick the parts you want for your phone by buying the right phone. So do your research because none of these phones are bad. They're all going to be great phones. The only issue I have this year with the 11T is that they feel a little cheapened more obviously than in the past. Like the T has always been a cheapened version of the flagship in the spring coming out in the fall. But this time, you know, like plastic frames this time around, 
eh, they could have done better, like, in the past. Like, there's no OIS on the mainlands, which is something they've had on some of the T models in the past. Mm-hmm. So they're, like, cutting costs here and there a little bit. I think that the software is good enough. You probably won't notice most of the time. But I don't know if about you, Shannon, but I'm a bit of a purist. If a phone does not have OIS, get out of town, okay? <laughs> I mean, the iPhone, iPhone SE has OIS. That is important. The Pixel 5a has OIS. They cost These phones cost 350 bucks. Like, you know... Well, yeah. 450 for the 5A. But the point is they're cheap phones and they have OIS. So get out of town if you don't have OIS on a more expensive phone. I follow what Xiaomi is doing. However, I haven't done any of the reviews of their phones just because, like you said, they're constantly coming out with new ones. It's and impossible. There's such an interesting brand. Like just the crazy things that they come up with to stick in their phones are often really, really interesting. So I love seeing those reviews, but I'm generally a vanilla Android fan myself. Yeah, and me too. I like to stick with that for my own personal life. And most of my audience, truthfully, is here in the US. So there's that component as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, the prices are like in the. A little less than, like, maybe $100, $150 less than the 11 mm-hmm. that came out in the spring. So, again, you're getting value, but I'm not quite as impressed this year about this T generation as I was with the T generations of the past. And I think that might be due to supply chains, maybe. Despite the fact that they have these parts to choose from in these bins, they might not have as many of the parts they really want to make a T model, basically, mm-hmm. is what I'm thinking. Right. But that display is really impressive. I mean, it has 1,000 nits brightness, Dolby Vision, True Color, 10-bit, HDR10+, 120 hertz, 450 hertz touch refresh or touch sampling. It's a flat screen. Like, there's nothing. You look at the screen, you're like, this is a nice screen. But then you look at the specs, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. That's, can you tell where they spend the money is mm-hmm. probably that. And then the Snapdragon 888, of course, is not cheap on the Pro model. Right. Um, the MediaTek 1200, though, you know, I love their MediaTek chips. They're pretty solid. And at that level of performance right now, you can't go wrong with a 1200. It's, it's, about the, it's going to be about the same as a 778. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't notice much of a difference. So don't let that worry you too much. But yeah, the charging speeds, 120 watt charging. That's nuts. 17 minutes from zero. That's ridiculous. 17. <laughs> so I have a few phones here with, I have a few phones with 67 watt charge, 66 or 67. Mm-hmm. 65, 67, whatever they are. I think OnePlus is, BBK is 65, Xiaomi is 67, and, and Huawei is 66. So they're all around the same. And then I have one phone with 100 watt charging and it's insane. Like you literally, you go in the shower, you plug your phone in, you're at say at 75%. You take a shower, you come back, you're at 92. Wow. It's like <laughs> instantly That's you so get cool. charge. You know, they don't have wireless charging these phones, but that, they're kind of relying on that. They give them big batteries, so you have two-day battery life, and they're relying on you literally topping off your phone in 15 minutes. And that way, you never really have to be out of battery, right? And you know, because Xiaomi is ecosystem-based, they sell like USB, you know, battery pack, whatever they're called, chargers, right, that are 120 watt, that will go with that. So you can actually get your fill very quickly. You don't even need to plug into the wall if you're on the go permanently. Mm -hmm. And in these markets, I think it matters. Not everybody has access to a physical plug to charge all the time. So those, those battery packs are pretty popular. Mm-hmm. So that's it for Xiaomi, folks. You want to talk about Pixel? Yeah. 
Ah, I know you do. Of course I do. Pixel, pixel, pixel. I'm such a pixel girl. Look, I'm super excited about the 6. So Google kind of like threw us for a loop there with um, putting the 6 and 6 Pro on display at the New York City flagship store yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I wish I was in New York right Everybody now. Everybody was in New York and went and took pictures. So I'm going to link to TechRadar because Matt Swider was the first to really figure that out. And I want to give him credit for being the first to publish about it. But basically, if you want to see a pixel in real life right now, but you can't touch it, it's in a display. But go to New York City, go to the Google flagship store, check it out, tell us what you think. That's it, really. Yeah, it looks exactly like the renders, if not better. Uh, it's It looks like a great phone just from the it photography. Looks hot. Yeah, it looks hot. So I'm really, really stoked about this phone. So we also got a leak of the Pixel 6 Pro full specs from XDA. And if you look at these specs and you knowing what you know that Google has given us, and you remember how they had like the Verge and a few journalists actually handle the phone in behind closed doors and they reported on, they were allowed to talk about that, their experience. Based on all of that, how excited are you on the 6 and 6 Pro? Are you going to get one? Oh, 100%. I mean, full disclaimer, they will probably send me one since I'm a part of Team Pixel. Um, But I'm very excited. In fact, if they don't send me either the 6 or the 6 Pro, I will purchase the other one so that I have both in hand because I'm that excited about it. I I will purchase my own. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll buy definitely buy a 6 Pro if I can't get one. This is exciting to me because, again, I am a premium phone user, and I feel, based on based on what we have seen Google announce on Twitter and what we have seen from these leaks, it sounds like this is their next premium phone, and it looks like they're bringing back a lot of the features that I like that we didn't necessarily get in the Pixel 5, like the cameras. We have so many cameras going into this one, and it looks like they're going to be upgraded cameras. We have a higher native resolution. So there's a lot of really interesting components and specs going into the 6 Pro specifically that um, I can't wait to see. And I feel like if you were coming from a maybe a 4XL, then a 6 Pro could be a contender for an upgrade. Oh, I think honestly right now, if you're coming from a three or a four, no brainer. Oh yeah. And you know, even if you bought a four A five G last year to hold you over because you didn't like, you had a three or a three XL and you didn't like what the four brought, or you didn't want to spend the money on the five, you were kind of waiting to see where things were going to go. The six is going to be the six is going to be back to. Remember when we were getting flag, real flagships from Google, like the yes. 3XL, the 2XL, the 1XL, the Nexuses, the Nexus Nexuses, 6P. Yes. Like that's where we're going back. And what really has me excited, the camera system, is the fact that we have all this potential in computational photography that we know Google can execute. Mm-hmm. But now we have hardware to back it up. So Absolutely. we're no longer stuck with this 12 megapixel autofocus iOS sensor from four years ago, which is a great sensor. It's 12 megapixels. It's got 1.4 micron pixels. It's got dual pixel autofocus. It's perfectly solid. But now we're getting, the rumors are kind of crazy. We're getting a GN1 Samsung sensor. That's the Sam's, the crazy low light sensor I was talking about. That's on the Xiaomi Mi Yay. 11 Ultra. You know, we're getting, it looks like we're getting a Sony IMX586 uh, on the ultrawide. That's the sensor the in the 8 Pro, folks. And a telephoto. And of course, a telephoto, like, I am amazed at what they're kind of bringing to the table. Actually, I was wrong. The IMX586 is for the telephoto. 
So for a telephoto, which is not going to have as fast of a lens, you know, you want those, you want to gather that light. And so they're doing it. And then, you know, the other senses, everything I'm reading here is just like, oh my God, they're going nuts. So the battery looks like it's going to be huge. Big, In the 6 Pro, yeah. they're quoting, of course, again, this is a leak, but 5,000 milliampere hour. Like, I believe it. Whew, yep. I can't wait to see how long that thing's going to last. And then, you know, it'll be interesting to see that custom new chip of theirs, how the software takes advantage of it, basically, you know? Yes. Yes, I'm very excited about that. And I'm curious if, and maybe they have already answered this and I haven't seen it, but I'm curious if they are going to be including uh, the the Titan security chip alongside that or if Tensor is taking its place. I'm not really sure how that's Don't working, but yeah. security and privacy is huge for me on my local devices. So I want I want to know how they are going to be doing like local data encryption. Uh, very curious about that. I'm also really excited that they're changing, at least this is what we're seeing, to an under-display fingerprint sensor. Yeah, and me too. we've had the ones on the backside of their camera or phones for such a long time. I'm curious how fast this is going to work and how it's going to compare to, uh, for example, my S21. So that's going to be really fun to test. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be really solid. I think it's going to be an optical sensor, not an ultrasonic sensor mm -hmm. like the S21. And by their very nature, the latest optical sensors that I've used on most of the Chinese phones are absolutely stupendously accurate and fast. Yeah. The Qualcomm ones are great. Like they are as good as rear capacitive on the Pixel 5a. That's what they could give us. And I expect that from them if they're going all out on everything else. Yeah. And I think they will. Yeah. I think they're going all out this year. Supposedly, supposedly, a lot of folks are saying that they may get five years of software updates. And I Google know. is known to release a guaranteed like three years of software updates. So that will be really good too um, to help folks out who may want to purchase a premium phone, but do not want to pay for one like every three years or every two years. So if they do increase this, which I usually tell folks, please upgrade whenever you stop receiving security updates, please upgrade yeah. your phone because that yeah. will make you vulnerable if you don't. 100%. So having five years, that that's a big thing too. I'm pretty stoked about that. Yeah. It looks like the display on the 6 Pro is also a 1440, so a 2K yes. display. 2K. For you resolution queens out there, uh, 120 hertz adaptive rate. So it'll go down to 10 hertz, like what we've seen on Samsung S21 phones. So that's, and also very excited, and that you can do both, you know, the high res and the high refresh rate. Don't have to choose anymore. So we're, you know, in, on paper, we're looking at essentially a Galaxy S21 Ultra competitor minus the dual telephoto, right? Um, and that's okay because the dual telephoto is awesome, but it's just a bonus at this point i i grab my s21 ultra when i want versatility mm -hmm. when i'm not sure what i'm going to be faced with in terms of taking photos it's nice to have four lenses to choose from but most of the time i'm really happy for me the sweet spot is a 3x telephoto and that's what this is you know supposed to have and that's what the iphone now has which i think 2x is no longer necessary those high pixel count sensors can do 2x in their sleep really high quality. So you need at least 3X on a telephoto to make it worth your while. And so that's why I'm excited. And then you add all the computational photography potential to that. Astrophotography with the telephoto, Ugh. taking pictures of Venus. Night yes, sight please. with portraits. Yes, please. Oh my God. <laughs> I know, night sight with portraits. Can't oh wait. my God, yeah. 
So I really hope, I know there's a lot of hype and I know it's a bit self-generated by us, the tech nerds oh, and of course. savvy early adopter folks, but I'm really hoping that Google can live up to this hype that I don't think they created. I mean, I feel like they've done their kind of like funny dance of like out leaking the leakers in a way, you know, which is smart, yeah. which I did with the Pixel 4 XL back in the day, I remember. But I think that that's smart of them. I just feel like the hype is self-built and I hope it lives up to it because we need a good Pixel. I mean, we have a good Pixel, the 5A, but we need a great, we need a flagship. We need a, this is how you make a phone phone from Google. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Do you remember when Google would to lay down the law and show everyone, not just in terms of hardware, but in terms of software, the whole package? This is how you make an Android phone, folks. Yes. And that just went away somewhere along the way. And now Samsung is the one showing everybody how to make a complete package. Yet I don't like their software as much. So I can't wait to get a complete package from Google that does everything. I feel exactly the same. I'm I'm excited yes. that they're going back to like these fun, really, really intuitive premium phones because that's where my passions always lay when it comes to tech. 100%. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to it as a Team Pixel person like you. Hopefully we get the goods. And then um, the only item that I had on my list of news that I thought was interesting, and I don't want to spend a huge amount of time because we need to wrap up, but T-Mobile's announced that they're going to do same-day in-store repairs in 500 of their stores in the U.S., and I'm actually very excited about that because they are only going to use genuine parts to do this. And a lot of people damage their phones and they, you know, don't know where to go. And it is a bit of a jungle out there for, you know, third-party fixing places. And I'm a big rights to repair person. I want people to be able to fix their own stuff if possible. But if you don't have the skills or, you know, you don't feel comfortable doing it, Having a trusted place to go, carriers might be a good choice for that. So it seems, at least on the surface, like a good idea. What do you think? Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm all about um, DIY fixing. I love my iFixit toolkit. and But I also realize that a lot of people either don't want to do that because maybe they don't trust their own abilities to be able to fix their own phone. And you often see for example, in a mall, these little kiosks where you can go and get your phone fixed, but are they reliable? Are they certified? And that's really hard to tell when it, there's no proof of them being a certifiable place where you can go and get your phone fixed, especially if they charge like, you know, 100 bucks, 150 bucks to get your screen repaired or whatever it might be. So seeing T-Mobile add this, especially for their folks that already pay for protection, given that you can yeah. do up to what is it? Five in-store repairs per year. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Exciting. That's I a know. really great price. If you're somebody who like often breaks your phone or you, like your screen gets cracked and you want to get it replaced, that could pay for itself. So I think it's a great option, and I'm happy to see T-Mobile doing this as as an option for their customers. Yeah. So my gut feeling is your gut feeling. I'm glad. Like I. Like I was worried that there might be some kind of catch in there, but I feel like this is this is for people who don't want to do their own. This is like you can't go wrong with this. Like it's just a good idea, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, same day so, too. That's big. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so good. 
So same day in store. And that's the other thing. It's the convenience of going someplace that you can trust, right? Like, I, yes. I mean, are they going to be good? Hopefully. I mean, I don't see them not doing this right. Like it, they, they can only hire people who are competent to do this. It's not going to work any other way. There's also the privacy aspect as well. Um, I realize that bringing your phone into repair, you do have to put some trust in the repair person to fix your phone, but also tr you have to trust them to not try to do something with your phone that could leave your phone vulnerable or if they would snoop on your data on your device. For example, if it's an unlocked device and you don't have a lock screen for some crazy reason. So mm -hmm. there's always that potential too. So... In that case, if I had to put my trust in a third-party repair person, I would rather go to like a T-Mobile space or a store where they have like certifiable repair people than a random kiosk. <laughs> 100%. And you know, that's why also Apple offers the, the Apple yep. Care and the Genius Bar and all that yeah. because your Apple devices are going to get well taken care of. I want to see, I know I've heard of some bad experiences with Apple Care and Apple service but i've only i've had a lot of mac products in my life and my spouse has a lot of apple products and we've only had good experiences it's mm -hmm. always been done right done well done quickly and at a reasonable price if we didn't have apple care i have really no reason to go anywhere else you know there's a few times when availability was an issue like they couldn't do it on the same day and uh there was when i was living in portland there was a certified apple repair shop i would go to instead because they could generally turn it around on the same day this is mostly for battery replacements on older MacBooks and stuff. But um, I could do it myself. But at that point, it's like, it's almost the same. The but the biggest cost is the battery. The labor is yes. really nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Shannon, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, all your social media handles and your YouTube channels and all that good stuff? <laughs> well, sure. I will just tell you about two places where you can find me. Twitter.com slash snubs, S-N-U-B-S. That's the best place to find all of my daily thoughts and hot takes. And you can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Shannon Morse, just like my name is spelled. That's where you can find all of my upcoming reviews of all the mobile products that I mentioned today. That's right. Folks, absolutely follow Shannon on Twitter and subscribe to the YouTube channel and just keep an eye on her great work. It's good stuff. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I appreciate yeah, being here. Absolutely. Folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to discuss this show with us, like tell us what you think of this iPhone 13, do it on Twitter, tweet at us. And uh, if you want to see pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones and, you know, maybe pictures of cars since I do car reviews for Tech Radar now as well, just go to my Instagram. That's what it's for. And, you know, there's a couple of YouTube channels you can subscribe to that are kind of like uh, additional content for the podcast and they're visual content. If you want to see the phones that I just talked about, like the uh, Xiaomi 11T, I unboxed it. It's on my YouTube channel. That's the MediaTek Dimensity 1200 model. Check it out. So youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast is URL for the main channel and youtube.com slash mobile tech more is a channel my producer and I are trying to like get off the ground. So subscribe to both of them, particularly the new one, because we need those thousand subscribers so we can monetize. The mobile tech more channel is going to be all of these home automation, IOT, these uh, travel tech, car tech, like these, all the accessory to the mobile core ecosystem. Ooh. And for me, mobile core is really phones and audio. Like I feel like earbuds and headphones deserve to live on the main channel mostly. So check it out, subscribe to both, tell your friends, you know, all that stuff, like the videos, you know what to do, comment, comment, comment. 
The podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. So subscribe. Uh, there's an RSS feed there if you like it that way. But mostly we're everywhere. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify. I don't know. Everywhere good podcasts can be found. If your app lets you rate or review the show, please consider doing that. That'd be great. Uh, helps is uh, discovering the show for other folks. And then uh, there's Patreon. I have a Patreon now since May, I think. So <gasps> You have a Patreon? I know. It's exciting. There's a video version of this podcast. You can watch Shannon and I interact. It's unedited in so far that I take out anything that's like embargoed or whatever, but I, I give you an unedited version with all the stumbles and things in there to watch on uh, on the Patreon. So if you join one of the tiers, you get the video. There's a tier for Discord. There's a bunch of other perks in there, so check it out. Patreon.com slash tankgirl. Patreon.com slash TNKGRL. I want to thank David S. for joining this week and being a patron. Thanks so much for your support. So folks, check it out. And I want to thank Audible because they're awesome. They're our podcast sponsor. They've been there forever for us. And uh, we love them. If you want to love them too, you can love them and love us at the same time. Like it's like a love fest. So <laughs> audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. What does it get you? 30-day free trial. You get a free book if you don't stay or if you leave, whatever you do. But I suggest you stick around because here's the thing. Once you start using Audible, if you're like me and you're a bookworm, you love books, but sometimes you don't have time to read, read. Like you want to just like lay in your bed, with your eyes closed before you fall asleep and listen. And that's where Audible comes in. You know, you've had a busy day, but you want to wind down. You want to read, but you just don't want to pick up a book. You just want to listen. Audible's got you covered. They have a great selection of books. Authors read the book sometime. They have like some podcasts, some short form stuff too. If you want to get your bookworm on, check out audible.com. They're great. audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is URL. Please support them. Support us. Consider joining Audible. So thanks to Audible for being a longtime sponsor. And thank you to you, Shannon, again, for being my guest on the show. Thank you for having me. I had such a good time talking about all these new phones. Yay. I appreciate you being here. We'll have you on again at some point soon. And folks, we'll be back with another show next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.